Hello, welcome to the Digital Transformation podcast hosted by SP Singh. Here with me is a very special guest, Ro Gorel. Ro is a powerhouse behind Grow Talent, a coaching and consulting business that helps organizations thrive by leveraging team performance. Ro coaches leaders and their teams, helping them grow aligned and collaborative teams. Uh, she is certified team and professional coach. Ro is an author of Coaching Group Coaching, 55-Minute Guide to Talent Management. Ro is a co-author, Ro, great, co-author of 50 Top Tools of Coaching and co-author of How to Create a Coaching Culture. Uh, I'm keep. I'm gonna keep on going. <laughs> Ro has I didn't a, realize how long those titles are. They're really long, aren't they? Wow. <laughs> uh, Ro' recent book is uh, "Coaching Self-Organizing Teams," and uh, Ro has worked in the UK for Simmons, here in Perth uh, for Watercorp in a range of different transformation roles. Took me a while. Ro, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me and for doing that. <laughs> well done. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, Ro, we met initially through District 32, mm-hmm. one of the, the events. And uh, my first sort of recollection meeting with you is, is you had this uh, a note, a digital notepad with you and you were just very eager to listen and take notes and uh, you're asking great questions yeah i could figure out like you you have got uh it seems to me you are like a lifelong sort of learner your approach is it's not sort of oh i know that stuff or whatever so you have have that sort of uh, desire to ask questions and learn and uh, and this this thing quite sort of resonated with me then we exchanged a few messages. We, we met once and uh, yeah, we were talking before. We extended our time to for, for that meeting because yeah, it was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided to record this podcast. Here we're sitting, uh, talking, and uh, yeah, I think uh, you have a great sort of value to add to the stakeholders, the, the people who really care about transformation, how to do things better. And uh, today we will look from your viewpoint. Uh, our theme will remain the same, which is digital transformation. Mm-hmm. The key listeners are the decision makers and influencers in digital transformation space. The people who like to improve the way of working, the mm-hmm. people who like to do things better, people who really want more from their teams and from their business. But we are going to look from uh, from more from a what agile has to offer. Mm-hmm. So we'll 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 cover that from from that viewpoint. Okay, so I think we'll we'll dig deep into this uh, during this uh, chat or this episode. And uh, maybe we will start with a little bit of your background before we get anything into uh, agile space. Yeah. 
So, uh, first of all, thank you for that. That it's always interesting to hear how other people experience you. Yes. Um, and what you said there definitely resonated. That I am a lifelong learner. Um, so my original study area was classics, so the ancient Greeks and the Romans, mm -hmm. and of course philosophy is part of that. And Socrates. Um, okay was obviously somebody that resonated deeply <laughs> with me because everything that he talked about was about really understanding what's going on um, and really examining the meaning of life and things that we assume about life yes. and really understanding it. So I guess it started very early on <laughs> for me. And I know that can be frustrating for some people because I always want to understand, but why, but why? Yes. I know my mum and dad used to get very frustrated because they could never explain things in a way that I wanted to understand. Yes. So that was really interesting to, to get that feedback. In terms of my work background, um, the, the, the thing I think that is probably most relevant today is the time I, I worked as a business improvement manager. Mm -hmm. And I learned about Deming. I learned about what um, organization systems are about. I learned about how organizations sometimes can be their own worst enemy when it comes to transformation. Mm -hmm. And again, just picking up on that word transformation, for me, a transformation is something where you've actually changed radically. Mm. So again, going back to my classical roots, mm. metamorphosis. So you change from one thing into another. Yes. So for me, that's what transformation is about. It's not just about introducing an IT system. Yes. Um, it's about how does that enable you to do something different for your customers yes. compared to where you were before how does it enable you to be different as an organization? And it, obviously today's context is around that digital transformation. It can also be ar around things like business strategy, your business mm -hmm. model, um, you know, pivoting your business, whatever it might be. True transformation is where you become somebody, something different from where you were before. Um, so again, that's probably, you know, Biases again. That's probably my bias because of my classical training mm. um, in terms of understanding the word transformation. Yes. So yeah. So that role in business improvement was really an eye opener, and I worked in an IT outsourcing organisation, which um, I've worked in several. But at that time, it was in in Siemens Business Services, which is now, I believe, spread out among Atos, Fujitsu, and, and whoever else. Um, but at the time, it was it was owned by Siemens, and it was a really interesting period in my career because I, I'd moved from a completely different role. I'd set up the, the team from the get-go. I didn't even know it was going to be a team. I'd just taken the job, assuming it was going to be me. And it's, oh, no, you need to set up a team. Um, and so I, I learned from scratch all about business improvement. I learned um, what we now call lean methods, which... Um, yeah, let's not go down that yes, particular yes, rabbit yes, hole, yes. but anyway. Um, and I, I learned from an amazing mentor in, in Siemens PLC. I'm going to call out Ian, Dr. Ian May, who was just absolutely awesome, very pragmatic, super, super smart, very pragmatic, very good sense of humour as well. And the way that he taught um, me and um, 
our team about Deming and process improvement just brought it to life, made it fun. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that we trained in it had fun. They went out into the organization and, and did some amazing uh, improvements. Mm. And then I'll, I'll maybe touch on this later. And then the organization kind of started to um, self normalize. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting perspective in terms of transformation. What happens when you enter a system, an organizational system, and how does it then inoculate itself against that, that transformation process? Mm -hmm. Because, of course, all transformation requires some form of discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I think when organizations embark on a journey, usually it's because they want to do things faster cheaper they want to do more for less they want to increase shareholder value whatever it is mm. there's usually a result at the end of it that they're looking for yes. and they kind of measure the success by the result rather than thinking about the process they're going to have to go through yes. to get those results yes so transformation always by its nature and entails some form of discomfort yes and to be honest if it doesn't you probably haven't transformed you're probably just kidding yourself and absolutely. messing around with the numbers at the end. Absolutely, absolutely. And and these these whatever you said and I'll, the few keywords and I, that so resonates with me. So you mentioned about radical change. So transformation. These words, like a few, quite a few years ago, business reprocess reengineering that yeah. was a buzzword <laughs> yes. yeah? yeah nowadays and there are quite a few that came and go and transformation yeah. seems to be a, a, another buzzword but i think if we do not understand the core meaning then we are just kidding ourselves really and if we are not after a radical change and if the end goal is not clear then perhaps we are sort of embarking a little bit of a project uh, and then say we are transforming. It's we are maybe selling ourselves, uh, not doing the right thing really. Mm. The other thing sort of you, you mentioned is the pain and mm. uh, it is within organizations we like to have, uh, you know, our majority of our effort in operational roles is firefighting and you want to have yeah. a quick quick yes. quick result yeah. really yeah I'm, I'm spending this and by tomorrow it yeah. should happen yeah yeah but transformation it is a uh, it's like a no pain no gain thing mm -hmm. it's uh, the third thing you mentioned is transformation is about not just digital transformation could be about it could be business transformation. It could be body transformation. Transformation is really reinventing yourself into yeah. something radically different. And uh, I, I so much agree. But no transformation comes without pain, persistence, and consistently. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that that's great sort of feedback. And I think yeah, these things you just mentioned keywords they they resonate with me so thank you so let's dig deep into agile so you mentioned about when you were in simmons you were introduced by deming and his principles mm -hmm. uh, for the listeners who are not aware about deming maybe i may not be able to do the, the justice but if within a minute or less, uh, Ro, let's quickly cover who Deming is and how his principles 
help transform big organizations like Toyota in Japan? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you a joke. Um, I'm not very good at telling jokes, so let's just preface it with that. <coughs> I love. <laughs> so, so yes, please do. So this is this is the it just typifies um, Dr. Ian May's sense of humour and the way that he taught us um, about Deming. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that he would say at the beginning of any workshops that he ran around sort of understanding Deming and the, and the principles was so he'd he'd say, "Let's make toast the American way. You burn, I'll scrape." <laughs> and uh, the reason he he told that story was at, at the end of the Second World War, um, obviously there was a lot of um, rebuilding of economies, re- rebuilding of nations. And um, at that time, America was mass, able to mass produce um, things like toasters, but the quality wasn't very good. And the way that I, I learned this was that Deming was, it was kind of the, you know, a prophet is without honor in his own country. So the mm. Americans really didn't take much notice of Deming. And then there was a, a contingency that went to Japan. Don't ask me details and mm. dates because I won't be able to remember that. Mm. And Deming was part of that. And as part of that process of going over to Japan and helping them to rebuild their economy and um, helping them understand how they did that, uh, they took on wholesale what Deming was talking about. They understood the importance of statistical process control um, and they just absorbed it. And we know what happened. Toyota was able to mass produce um, cars that were high quality. They using process improvement. They were able to the single minute exchange of die, which was an amazing piece of process improvement, you know, you've got a massive piece of machinery mm-hmm. that is pressing out pieces of metal mm. and you're able to change the the template, which mm. is what the die is, that mm. that presses the metal mm. in, in a minute or less. You know, mm. that is amazing feat of accomplishment. Um, and so Toyota was able to use all of Deming's teachings and you know he talks about obstacles, he talks about um, principles and he talks about the parable of the beads and understanding that the system creates variants and how you you manage that, what's a special cause, what's a common cause. Mm. All of these things they took on wholesale, but perhaps the most important thing that they took on board was respect for people and understanding that people are doing the best they can Mm. given the system in which they are working and it is the responsibility of the leaders mm. to create a system mm. that enables that improvement to take place. And so it, that was what they took on board. And the book by Womack et al, it takes the methods and tools and the techniques mm. and the processes. The missing ingredient is what actually makes it work in Toyota, mm. which is that respect for people and the way they actually work with people. And, and there could be a cultural aspect to this as well. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Japan? No. Oh, it's an amazing place. Definitely recommend you go. I love Japan. I love the Japanese culture. I love the way that they just honor things. You know, when you go into a shop, it's not just exchanging money. They they honor the, the exchange of the money for the, the things that you're buying. It's oh, just, yeah. it's a, a beautiful um way of looking at things and you know notwithstanding all the history of the the second world war it is an amazing culture Mm -hmm. and so you can see immediately why 
it would work in in Japan in that way because they it's that respect which mm. is it just seems to be part of their DNA um which and also that it, it there's a collective um responsibility as well which you know I've been to America have you been to America as well no i must go yeah. i told to my wife that yeah. Yeah, we and, need to go yeah, everywhere <laughs> exactly just travel experience different cultures yes. because you know and even in america you've got different cultures depending where you are Absolutely. in the country um but it's that very individual culture mm. which you kind of then can see why things because yes. it's more transactional Yes. So you've got that transactional versus transformational already just in the cultural feel of of the different places. Yes. Sorry, you got me on a nah, you got me nah, on. No, no, no. I'll 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 bring you back. So we were talking about damming and I think what what I've just learned is uh and for the listeners or whoever is listening to this if you feel that you have a important message to say and no one is listening to you try somewhere else go somewhere else talk to someone else i think that's a bit of story from deming where he has got these great ideas not many people within america was listening to him in japan yeah he must be a superstar where all these corporations these manufacturing houses they are adopting adapting and uh, yeah taking all the 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 principles the the process improvement his whole body of knowledge and really implementing it and this the, and they can see the change mm. so i think mm. uh it is a very interesting uh so deming and th- and this is where a, would it be wrong to say deming is a, a father of lean and six sigma or I think it oh, I don't know what Deming would say about um, <laughs> and he had very strong views about things so I don't want him to come back and haunt me. I think they took elements of and and in Deming wasn't the only one you got all of the quality gurus around at that time Duran and you know loads of them. Yes, yes, yes. So he he would have certainly been influential um and I I think certainly Lean and Six Sigma is the sort of uh western view of what was happening in okay. the sort of the Japanese environment so okay th- and I would say you know having again when I worked in Siemens we did toy with the idea of of approaching um or using six sigma mm. and I hopefully nobody from there is listening but <laughs> I I kind of convinced them that that wasn't a good approach because they they were seeing it again as that transactional yes thing and to, we want we want all the goodies that six sigma delivers yes. because we want to get the quick profit yes or ebit as we called it um without having to do all the systemic change that would be needed mm. so because it six sigma is still around that cultural um systemic change that you need if you if you pick and choose oh we're going to use you know cypoc or demake or whatever mm. um and then assume that you're going to get all the benefits that flow from a, adopting a, a six sigma approach um you you're kind of not understanding how processes work yes yeah i think it's just a human tendency to say okay i want to have quick results mm. so what is the best i can get with the minimum investment of time and effort and minimal pain uh yeah i think that's a 
continuous sort of theme that emerges from any initiative in general so when was the first time you were introduced to agile after we talk about deming and i think there is a bit of connection there yeah. as well so tell us a little bit about agile your first interaction with agile so my first interaction with agile was when i went on the lean change course in 2015 june 2015 that's um uh, that was delivered by jason little so he came to australia um he's canadian and i just I spent the I must have been so annoying for Jace and I apologize Jace and if you ever listen to this I must have been so annoying because he was saying things and I was like oh my god yes 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 and I and he and he'd ask a question has anybody heard of I don't know Edgar Schein and I go yes has anybody heard of David Rock yes um, <laughs> I'm a good student it's like oh for god's sake Rose <laughs> shut up um but these were all books people that i had been studying for several years and suddenly there was somebody who was talking my language yes and i just i was like a sponge i absorbed it and so that was my first introduction to agile and i hadn't realized actually that agile was created when i worked at siemens which obviously was it outsourcing primarily mm. um and yet i never come across it when i worked in that field which was mm. bizarre because had i known about it then oh my that that would have changed my whole approach to what i then did in the next in my last few years when i was working there um so yeah so for me it was like a coming home and albeit that all of them were men mm. um but that's probably because they worked in software and at that time it was predominantly a male um environment mm. um i i kind of got where they were coming from and and listening years later to them there was a a guy called Ryan Lockhart um who did a series of interviews with uh the authors of the manifesto and i loved listening to them talk about how they developed it what was in their mind um you know the fact that it was as much about behaviors as it was about software mm. and obviously you get that flavor anyway just even if you just look at the values yes um you get the flavor that it is about behaviors it's about people it's about how you connect and communicate and and converse with people and primarily the customer by the way because yes. they're the ones who you're developing stuff for so you yes. kind of need to know which again had i known that we mm. we taught that in our early courses on on um, business improvement that in the process the customer and the supplier need to be involved in that improvement mm. because they are both the um you know the receiver of what you're delivering and also they contribute to what you're delivering mm. so getting them together in that whole team kind of environment is is what you should be doing because how do you know if you develop something in isolation mm. how do you know plus the fact your supplier has got an, a vested interest in what they're delivering to you yes. as much as you have to them so 2015 has been a was a pivotal moment for me because that was when it kind of all slotted into place and I was going ching ching yes i now get it <laughs> <laughs> okay so from that point onwards uh, yeah you get more and more into agile coaching and uh, we'll, we'll uncover a bit more so for the listeners again we use agile when anything becomes popular yeah we we use it for our own benefit really 
more of a sales tool. And I think the message we want to convey here is as transformation, agile is another buzzword. A lot of us are using the way we want. We're not tend to spend time and effort learning what actually it is, what value does it offer, what principles it's, it, it's all mm. about. And it is not a quick win. If someone is thinking, well, we'll, we'll do agile and everything will be, it's not a silver bullet. Mm-hmm. So maybe we start with agile. So for a person who is, say, a senior executive, say, a C-suite executive, senior manager, he does not know about Agile. How would you explain Agile to that individual? Wow. <clears throat> How would I explain it to an executive? I think that's an, a very interesting question because I know how typically it's explained and it is that sort of quick win, as you say. You can do things better, faster, mm. deliver software quicker, um, get things in the hands of the customer quicker, which obviously, if you're doing things quicker, it saves costs. Um, potentially means that you can do more, you can mm. scale, you can leverage. All of those things that, as an executive, I would want to know. Yes. Because obviously that's what you're there to deliver is either shareholder value or you want to improve the the business in some way, shape or form, grow top line in terms of revenue or bottom line in in terms of profit, market share. Whatever your strategy is, Hmm. that is usually what they're sold on. In terms of what is agile, agile, if we go back to the manifesto, what is it? It's about finding ways of developing better soft, you know, software in a better way kind mm. of thing. Mm. So that's what it's about. Mm. Um, so what does that mean for you as an executive? Probably not very much mm. because you're thinking, well, well, you know, from a business perspective, what's the business gain mm. to being able to develop better software or software in a better way? Yep, absolutely. And I think like because knowing Agile, it is – when, when I interpret things, I feel like this is common sense because when we are developing these lengthy project plans, so the project starts and then everyone is taking all these wild assumptions and a project schedule or project plan in Microsoft project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 300 lines and do we know exactly whether this this is all how much value or how much confidence we have in in that plan mm-hmm. a project manager like myself may say yeah 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 i know my stuff i've done it multiple times but that's not real mm. so the value for me was agile says look what you don't know is what you don't know why are you spending or wasting uh, so much effort up front taking all these wild assumptions yeah. and uh, pre-planning everything so plan what you can plan and then rest just say admit acknowledge you don't know and you will figure out when you have more information yeah i thought this is common sense yeah Yeah. so and i loved it i I love it so i as i was saying to you before the last time we met i don't use the word agile but i do it yeah because i think it's common sense and it can be uh it is true, I think, for not just software projects. It is true for oh, this, this, any, any, any initiative. It could be strategy. It could be people. 
because what we don't know is what we don't know mm-hmm. and uh, we rather rather than sort of taking all these assumptions we say look acknowledging this is what we know in this short term let's plan mm-hmm. do it and we will learn more and then do a bit of retrospective and then we learn more and we plan again and that that agility that change i think that's a value and mm-hmm. and i feel it is whether we are in software in people in change management doesn't matter which area of the business we are in or life we are in the value i see is is just very basic what you don't know is what you don't know mm. so don't plan to the very nth degree of detail up front do a high level plan acknowledging it will change do a detailed plan for the short term and keep on improving the process i think that that's a sort of value uh, i see in day to day life in mm-hmm. business and in every aspect of business mm. uh, what are your thoughts so i absolutely agree with that i guess what was going through my mind is if i'm sitting here as an exec and i'm thinking back to when i used to present to the exec team what they want they want certainty they want because it's about risk mm. so i totally agree with what you're saying about you there are lots of unknowns and we can't plan for the unknowns but we create this false sense of certainty by having a plan you know a five year plan mm. which used to happen on a rolling basis and then mm. of course the five year plan never came to fruition because <laughs> things would change yes um but they it's that risk factor so for as an as an exec you maybe buy um the concept of agile but you don't really understand the consequences of that so things like budgeting for example it's going to affect your budgeting cycle so you kind of have to budget in smaller chunks mm. as opposed to having like a, a one year budget that's mm. set in concrete mm. um so that's one thing you then need to understand okay well how does this link back to or is this helping us introduce and implement our strategy so if we've got a strategy how is this thing agile mm. actually going to help deliver that strategy is mm. it going to help it what might be the things that we haven't considered mm. so it's kind of going into that unknown unknowns up front which is scenario planning mm. um and i think that's really the the challenge when you're introducing any kind of change obviously agile is an organization change yes because it impacts all of those systems it, for example you're working in self organizing teams mm. what degree of autonomy does the team have does mm. it have the autonomy for example to decide when people take leave mm. does it have the autonomy to decide how people get remunerated mm. does it have the autonomy to decide how people get managed in terms of their performance mm. what does it mean for um the way that budgets get allocated mm. what does it mean for hr policies absolutely so you've got to take that holistic uh, as an exec you've got to understand those holistic implications of any kind of change that you're introducing mm. and particularly something like agile sorry you've got me on a, a soapbox here now so I will allow you to speak in a minute but you know training people in wholesale in things like scrum mm. and then saying to those people you're now a scrum master and you're going to I I just think that is is a bit short-sighted because if you are then putting them back into that system mm. with very sort of traditional 
processes, methods, tools, and so on, and you're asking them to behave in a different way, you're kind of setting them up for failure. Mm. And by the way, you've just spent a lot of money training people that you could have allocated to something else. So as an exec, I think what I would first want to understand is what what's behind wanting to do this? What is it that you're really trying to achieve? Mm. How, are, how are things working at the moment? Mm. And what is it you're expecting will be different when you're doing when you've done this? Um, it's kind of that sense check before you embark on it, because if you don't do that, mm. you're going to be sorely disappointed. And I know big organizations can afford mistakes, mm. you know, because you can then put it into the um, the accounts and it, and it gets written off. Mm. But if you're a smaller business, mm. you need to understand what that might be up front because you might decide actually the cost benefits. It's not worth the cost. Mm. The benefits aren't, aren't big enough to to outweigh the cost. So I will stop now. No, I'll no, allow you to no. dip in. <laughs> no, no. Now, I think two things. Firstly, uh, we, we touched on a second sort of concept on Agile, which is self-organizing teams and more in, in a Scrum. So mm. we'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, in terms of, what we what we were trying to establish is agile is a more of a buzzword so mm. if you are a senior executive or a decision maker be cautious of when people say agile yeah. what it actually means is when you get a chance and you should get a chance <laughs> to learn about it because it's phenomenal it is it tells you basic things it doesn't take long to learn it take long to implement which is another thing yeah yeah but knowing Absolutely. yeah knowing about yeah. agile is is something you sh you should be doing as an executive uh, so i think just coming and touching on the the, the second aspect which is the self-organizing teams mm. uh, and just before i go there and i agree with you that uh, before anyone is going on this journey they they should uh, do a bit of business case learning about agile is what value it will deliver mm -hmm. whether it is for them or not yeah. it's not a silver bullet so i i, yeah. I agree with you yeah. so let's let's quickly touch on the self organizing teams mm. uh, what it is and what value does it adds to the organization or team in general mm. so Self-organizing, it, it can be, you know, how it's from one end of the spectrum to the other to, you know, you're, you, you're setting up a team, you're giving them some level of autonomy mm. through to people are allowed to choose which teams they're on. They have full autonomy around all the things I talked about before, pay, discipline, blah, 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 all mm. of those things. Mm. So you've got a whole spectrum of, of self-organizing um, <clears throat> and that will you know, and, and also the evidence. So literally in the last week or so, I've been looking at um, the evidence around self-organizing teams. You know, do they do they bring benefit um, and are they worth the effort? And at the moment, there is no evidence either way. Um, and one of the factors that I talk about in my latest book on coaching self-organizing teams, that if you're a very traditional hierarchical mm. organization, then perhaps self-organizing teams is going to be a step too far mm -hmm. be because it will start, to, you, you'll see those boundaries become really, really clear mm. um, because the teams will start to buffer against those boundaries. Mm. So, yeah, so 
to what degree of self-organizing do you want to go, first of all? How much, and, and that, I think, is probably a process of evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go big bang and you say we're going to do it all at once, I think that you need to be really clear that that could actually break the system. Yes, yes. Um, so maybe take it more of a stealth approach that you do little by little. Yes. Um, and then secondly, understand the context in which you're introducing those those self-organizing teams because you will you will create a conflict almost from the get-go if mm. you've got a system that isn't the right kind of climate for self-organization to succeed. Um so yeah, so the evidence is is still out. Yes. Um and the context really really matters even more so than than you would would imagine. So why so if I'm an executive or a business owner I have reasonable size I'm not very mm. small. Why should I bother about self-organizing team? Mm. Say for instance just to make things simpler my business is 300 employees or so i am developing some sort of software there are multiple teams why should i bother we've got a middle management to to manage them mm-hmm. why should i bother about self organizing teams concept in general mm-hmm. what do you think so i think it depends on the speed that you want um teams to work mm-hmm. so again this comes down to how much authority you're going to give the team so if you want the team to actually be able to self manage and self organize so that they can actually have full autonomy to develop a piece of software mm. um then self organizing teams obviously works really well because mm. they you have um i think it's called full stack um in agile um terms but for me that means you've got cross functional team where all of the skills that you need are within the team mm-hmm. so they can fully self organize and they can de- develop deliver initiate whatever whole thing mm. so that they can actually get it to fruition so um in that scenario i think it would work really really well mm-hmm. if you know you you don't feel as comfortable giving that much autonomy to the teams um then maybe something that's in between where you have you know several teams under one um team leader mm. and they coordinate the teams mm. and make sure that work is allocated and so on could be a sort of halfway house um you really need to be clear why you're doing it though and and I'll give you a non software example of this so in the netherlands and i apologize to anybody who um speaks um dutch the an organization called bertsorg and <clears throat> they work in the, the sort of the social care um health sector mm-hmm. and the reason that they went down the self organizing route was that they wanted to provide uh healthcare to people in a better way than than was being provided it wasn't serving anybody both the providers and the the people who needed the the care mm-hmm. and so the guy who set up the the organization decided he was going to have like neighborhood teams who were fully responsible almost entrepreneurial business units for for want of a better word for actually setting up their own um little neighborhoods actually supporting the clients within those neighborhoods and each member of the team would be responsible for a function within that that team and they would share those functions so it's rotated the primary um skill set was nursing so mm-hmm. they needed to have those nursing skills 
Everything else, though, was was done by the team for the team, and and they set up their own little in, entrepreneurial units. And so they then created systems that supported those little entrepreneurial units. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got coaches that can go out and help um, the teams. They've got, they they teach the teams in how to coach themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got systems that they can access um, so that they can have the support from the center. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've set up very clear ground rules for what it is those teams need to deliver in terms of billable hours how many people typically are on the team. And it's typically around 12, which is a, a, a reasonable size, but mm. not massive. Um, and so <clears throat> why that works is because the reason for the self-organizing teams is directly linked to what the organization was trying to deliver in terms of supporting people in those neighborhoods. Mm. And therefore it made sense. So, I would just say, you know, after sort of giving that huge explanation that anything you do in an organization, it needs to have, can you explain this to a seven-year-old so it makes sense why we're doing something? Mm. So if we're introducing Agile, can I explain that? I don't know, how old is your daughter? Uh, Ten. Ten. So could you explain it to your 10-year-old daughter Mm. why that's a good thing for this organization to be doing and how it's going to help that organization you know, either provide better solutions for its customers or, or and or, you know, deliver more value for its shareholders. Mm. Can you explain that to a 10-year-old? And mm. that's kind of the acid test because if you can't, mm. um, then that probably explains a lot of the reasons why people in organisations go, why are we doing this again? Yes. What's this about? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I think yeah, we, we have, like, the, the more discussion we're having, it, it is the the themes which are I'm constantly drawing is don't we should not feel of sort of find that okay look or conclude that agile is the way to go agile is a silver bullet everyone is doing agile I should be doing agile as well mm. there will be quick wins none of that is is true agile has a lot of value to offer but we should educate ourselves as an executive to understand what it is, yeah. the value it does, what are the principles, values, and then make more informed decision if it is the right thing for my organization yeah. also. And yeah. for the people who are selling software, selling technology, if someone is saying, oh, look, I do Agile, we do Agile, it's, it merely, it, it may mean, uh, it could be a, as a buzzword or some yeah. sales salesy uh, keyword. Uh, so we should be careful, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I, I like what you say there about the executive should educate itself. And I know that they don't have a lot of time. Yes. Um, I know this from my own experience. Uh, you know, when we introduce business improvement and, and productivity improvement, you know, getting time with the execs was really hard. Yes. Um, however, what we did was we trained them and educated them in the process that we were going to use first Mm -hmm. before we did it with anybody else because what we were doing was quite complex Mm -hmm. and sophisticated and we needed to make sure that we were all singing from the same hymn sheet and and also it's okay if you're as an if you as an exec when you go through that process give yourself a bit of slack in terms of do you know what we've uh, we've looked at it 
Mm. We've done really good due diligence in our thinking and we've decided, mm. strategic decision here, that we're not actually going to go down that route. And that's a completely acceptable decision to come mm. to. Mm. Just because everybody else is doing it yes. does not mean it's going to be right for your organisation. You know your organisation better than anybody. Consultants coming in do not know your organisation. Yes, They only see one facet of it. You live it every day. Yes. So use that lived experience and and trust your own judgment. That's mm. what you're there to do as an exec is make judgments and decisions. Yes. So trust it. And if it doesn't ring true, then don't do it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Now, I, and I think not many people will, will say that. It just demonstrates, Rob, you are specializing in this field. Yeah? You coach, train people from leadership till the operational staff or team team members and what i'm hearing is agile it may not be for you mm -hmm. yeah it just demonstrates the the integrity you hold yeah if i'm selling sweets and i may say look sweets may not be right for you so be careful mm -hmm. that just tells me that uh, yeah you're you're a person of integrity so I congratulate you on that. So I really value it as well. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that. That's one of my core values as well. <laughs> Teamwork and integrity, core values. No, it, 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 yeah, it, it just, when you speak, yeah, you can quite, I think it's, it, it, you cannot overlook. I think it's quite clear. So no, thank you. And I really appreciate it as well. What is future looking for you? So we are now getting a, uh, little bit out from the topic mm. and uh, we'll, we'll try to focus a bit more on on you and mm. then we'll we'll do a rapid fire which i'm looking forward to it uh <laughs> so tell tell me what's 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 ahead what 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 are you planning in say a year to three year time wow three years is a long time <laughs> so in the next year i can tell you what i'm planning in the next year so a, a lot of my focus in this next year is around the um, Lean Change IC Agile um, training. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a lot of that, which I love doing. I love um, coaching Agile Transformations training. I'm also looking at how I leverage my team coaching and showing a bit of love to Scrum Masters. So mm -hmm. I'm doing, so if anybody who is a Scrum Master listening on the, um, the call today, I would love your input on a little questionnaire that I've got because I really want to understand how I might be able to help you because I do feel that you're the ham in the middle of the sandwich, mm -hmm. particularly if you've been put through that sort of training process and then left to find your own um, sale. So that's one of the other things I'm doing. Right. And uh, also developing, so the Lean Change community is a very supportive, wonderful community. Jason's done a fantastic job of nurturing that community. And I've got two colleagues, uh, one based in Spain and one in the UK. And I'm looking to do more close work with them, particularly around uh, systemic team coaching. Mm -hmm. So that's also coming out off the bat as well. And then who knows, you know, at the moment, we're living in a very changeable world and we haven't even touched on AI. Mm. And I think that is going to transform a lot of things that we do. Mm -hmm. It's already starting to transform things like writing, for yes. example. Yes. Um, and that is going to be a massive wake-up call to a lot of organisations. Yes. 
um, and also is going to change the job landscape as well. Yes. Uh, and I think it's going to create some really new and interesting jobs. And that's why that lifelong learning for me is so important. You know, I'm in my late 50s. Mm. Um, I never stop learning. I love technology. I'm I'm the yellow canary because I can break anything. If you want a tester, I'm probably the person to come to. <laughs> um, so for me, it's about keeping sharpening the, the knife and keeping really sort of keen and eager to learn and, and just being open, you know, this has been a fantastic conversation today. Um, I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have yes, yes, talking no. with you. And and that was just a chance meeting yes. and listening to how you facilitated a conversation, which I really enjoyed. Yes. You are an amazing facilitator and, oh, and I really love that. Um, and again, it's that you, you meet a sort of a kindred spirit. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So for me, it's been a fantastic conversation. So, no, and, 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 you know, go and find out the facts and, and learn more because we've only skimmed the surface of, yes. of the topic today. Yes, certainly. And I would lo love to do more and more of, of these role for the mm. people who are, are really dedicated in, in their specific field. And uh, I think we have a duty to serve so, and there are not many people out there who are really taking these transactions out of the equation and really serving with mm. the right intent. So, for me, I think it, it is, I consider it as a duty to connect with the people with the genuine intent mm. to serve, uh, talk to them, and to try to serve the, the wider community with the message they have. Mm -hmm. So no, that's that's great. And uh, any of the listeners, please connect with Ro. I'll, I'll share the link for the Scrum Masters in Thank the you. show notes. Thank you. And uh, a lot of other details. So connect with Ro and uh, learn ab about her. I think there is so much value that uh, Ro has to offer. So yeah, please connect and uh, make things happen for yourself so let's jump into the <laughs> <laughs> the rapid fire i okay <clears throat> i'm into it so rapid fire is where i'm going to ask all these random questions and <laughs> and the intent is really you don't have to think hard you just whatever comes to your mind okay just, that just, could be interesting then <laughs> just, just say it say it and uh, and we will we'll see how we go. Okay, we'll, we'll set a bit of pace. Mm. So for the listeners, I'm not looking anywhere. I'm just looking into row eyes mm -hmm. and I'm firing these questions. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ro, here we go. What's your favorite color? My favorite color is blue. <clears throat> okay. And why you think blue is such a good color? Why you love blue? Because it's the color of the ocean and it's the expanse of the ocean. So anything that's blue has got that expansive connection for me. Okay, great. Who is your favorite musician? Oh, wow. My favorite musician. That's really hard because I like different genres of music. Of music. Um, I'm going to go with, and I always get his name pronounced wrong, Philip Yaruski, who is um, a countertenor. 
and he has got an amazing voice and is an amazing musician. Um, it's not to everybody's taste because he is a countertenor, so the voice is interesting. But yeah, he's my favorite. Okay. And how do you think, and this may not be a straightforward, it's just because what I've just learned is that you love music mm. and you're a musician. So how, how do you feel music connects us, connects our souls? So what is... Oh, wow. That's an amazing question. Yeah. It does. It does yeah. connect our souls. And I think... It resonates, literally resonates, because mm. obviously sound waves, and it connects in so many different ways. You've got rhythm, so you've got dancing, you've got the sound, you've got the, it, 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 it's very emotive, so you can feel things through music, and there is research as well around that. It's also evocative, you know, a piece of music can take you to a different place, a different time, mm. um, and it does connect us at a, a, a deeper level. Yes. Whether it's, you know, even heavy metal for me is because you've got the beat, you've got the rhythm, it and also that sort of... <clears throat> yes. Um, all forms, I love all forms of music. Some some not, you know, not so much, but I just, the fact that it, it, it can create all of those things. Um, and, and it's been part of my life since I was a, a small child. So... Uh, so yeah, music is very important yeah. to me. I, I have a my as, as I was saying before, my daughter she is learning clarinet. I have no clue about that. <laughs> <laughs> so she plays, and whenever she is off the beat or yeah. the rhythm, I can tell something is not right. Yeah, though I don't have any yeah. clue about it. And this is I, I think is an interesting sort of observation where any one of us may have no clue about music but we can point out where the music is off. So I think there is something yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's very visceral. It, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, moving on. <laughs> One thing you like to change in your life. One thing I'd like to change in my life, get more consistent with my exercise. I've got out of sync with it, so I, I need to get back. I've had quite a few injuries. Um, so getting back into sync with my exercise, definitely. What advice would you give to your 30-year-old? Wow, that's straight back to being 30, which was a very challenging year for me. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. Okay. And uh, if you have a magic stick, you have three things to ask, mm. what would they be? Clearly, the obvious one is world peace, um, which I'm sure everybody would ask for. Um what that would mean, I don't know. I think one of the things that I do feel strongly about and I would love to see happen more often um, is the democratisation of work. And I loved what came out of the pandemic, which I thought was a positive in terms of how people were able to work any place, any time, anywhere that they, they could. Mm. Um, and for me, that kind of was a, a ray of hope that we could democratise the workforce more. Mm. Um, and there are organisations out there who are doing that and I, I really admire them. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing, um, what would the third thing be? That we were all a bit more compassionate to to other people. Mm -hmm. um, I think we can, and I, I put myself here as well, be too judgy. Mm -hmm. And I think just be a bit more compassionate. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ted Lasso, the Apple um, programme 
which is about a, a football coach, American football coach who comes to the UK mm-hmm. uh, to to coach a team, know nothing about UK football. Um, and it's just so full of so many life lessons. And yeah, so if, if I guess I would make everybody watch that. Okay. Um, binge watch three seasons of Ted Lasso because you would learn so much about human, okay. the human condition um, and how we can help each other. I'll take a look at that. Definitely. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's <laughs> it's so funny and it's also just so so deep on many levels. Okay, that's great. Uh how would you define yourself in a line maybe say five words or less? Oh, blimey, Riley. Uh how would I define myself? Quirky? Uh sense of humor? Um And that the learning comes in as well. I always want to know more. I want to know why. I want to understand the universe. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably how I describe myself. Hey, good <laughs> that's on you. Hard, that. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I know. So for for the audience who are, who are listening, what's the best way? I'll certainly put the, the details mm. in in our show notes. But what's the best way they can connect with you? I think probably the best way is on LinkedIn. Okay. Um so, you know, just send me a message saying that you heard me on SP's podcast. Um and yeah, and then I'm I'm very happy to connect with people. So yeah, LinkedIn. Great. Okay. Any final words anything you'd like to share before we close? Um just to say how much I've enjoyed the conversation. I didn't know where this was going to go. I hope some of what I said made sense. Um, I just, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Love chatting with you again. And I think, I don't know how long we've been talking for, but it feels as though we've probably been talking longer than you anticipated. And that's just testament to, I guess, the connection. Yes. Um, so okay. thank you for the opportunity to talk at length <laughs> on subjects that I love. <laughs> no, thank you, Ro. I mean... I I love I love people like you so and uh, when we're talking time just flies very quickly so yes. <laughs> and we need to do more of these so <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it for many more to come so I think it's a start so thank you thank you for being here talking you. talking through your heart not so much of mine so yeah. thank you so yeah for the listeners uh, please uh, check the show notes connect with Ro and uh, make things happen agile is a, has a lot of value to offer and i think uh, you need to connect with the right people to actually know what it is and the value it can offer at a business and personal level so highly recommend recommend to connect with ro and uh, yeah make things happen digital transformation is a way to go so great thank you all for listening and uh, stay tuned until next time have a great time thank you see you back thank you